0: Line, That's a good one, Please stand by. We'll be streaming live, sir. <laughs> Good morning. I'm on first class today, and uh, it's very comfortable here, okay? So uh, I have the first class seats all around me. Nobody can interfere with uh, the Bible study. The curtain is closed, and, and I'm by myself here to share with you this, this morning. Our main topic this time of the, the year as we progress into our Bible study, how to recognize the presence of the Holy Spirit in the ministry of Jesus. How to recognize, how to see it, how to sense it. And the reason why this is important is because very little teaching in this area uh, you 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 have to to go to extremes to find teaching in this area, as if somehow uh, <coughs> theologians in seminaries would dare to touch this subject. <coughs> and so, I don't know how the expression goes, but that's up that that's up my alley. Is that right, Andy? That's up my alley. Yes. Okay. So since I'm on first class and uh uh one of the things that first class does is uh <laughs> what I remember is that Betty Betty McKinney when she was with us, she used to say, I'm made I'm made for first class. That's right. And that's the way people from Christ are supposed to follow. That's right. So so we're in first class. Okay. Let's begin with uh Luke chapter four just before the temptation so the the time element here is Jesus comes to John the Baptist <clears throat> John the Baptist said permit it to be so for thus is fitting to fulfill all righteousness. In other words, the way to do things, the way to accomplish things is to baptize with the water unto repentance. Without repentance it's impossible to be blessed by the Holy Spirit. And so, the baptism of John is a baptism of repentance. And what follows after that is the baptism of Jesus by the Holy Spirit. The dove came and aligned upon Him. The heavens opened, and the Spirit of God descended like a dove and aligned upon Him, which is in Matthew 3.13-17. So when you, when you come to chapter 4 of Luke, Jesus now is moving toward the temptation. So let me read it to you. It says, In Jesus, <coughs> being full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Pay attention to the word being full of the Holy Spirit, which is a measure that nobody ever had. Jesus' measure of, of the, the Holy Spirit is, is is complete. And so, after the temptation of verse 14 of, uh, of Luke chapter 4, it says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit unto Galilee. So, When it comes to the ministry of Jesus, begins with John the Baptist, the temptation, and in the power of the Holy Spirit, he moved on to Galilee in order to uh, acquire the disciples. Now, you can go even earlier than that. You can go to, for instance, when it comes to the birth of our Lord, and His growing up in Nazareth. The presence of the Holy Spirit was found all around him from the moment of the birth into every situation. Begun with uh, Mary was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Matthew 1.18 His name was given by an angel. And of course, in <clears throat> the name was Jesus. And so, John the Baptist on Matthew 3.11 says, I indeed baptized with water unto repentance, but he who comes after me is mightier than I whose shoes I am not worthy to untie. He shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So, you begin to sort of uh, listen to these statements and you begin to come to some conclusions that the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the ministry of Jesus were not interrelated but completely together. Not only together, but impossible that you find them separated. They They were together, united, moment by moment. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit was evident in the life of Jesus. He changed everything. Mary was with child with the Holy Spirit. John prophesized that Jesus would baptize people with the Holy Spirit. So one purpose is to show that the gifts of the Holy Spirit—that is our Bible study—go this morning. Okay, that the gifts of the Holy Spirit were operational in the life of Jesus. The move of the Holy Spirit in the ministry of Jesus, was evident and operational. In other words, it didn't somehow relate it in one way or the other. Not, not really. It was together. The same gifts are operational in the life of the Apostle Paul and the disciples. But for our evaluation here, let's study the gifts in the ministry of Jesus. Because you see, Paul, you probably say, where did Paul receive the knowledge of the names of the gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12? How that was related to him? By revelation. That wasn't Paul making up these things in order to explain to the church in Corinth how things operated. Paul is simply saying, What he had, he spent a whole week and a half in Jerusalem with Peter, James, and John dealing with those things. Because the core of personal ministry, the core of dealing with the kingdom of God, begins with the operation of the Holy Spirit. Outside of that, all you have is what happened. The operation is essential to be understood so you be able to be led of the Spirit and not just reading a book. So there's a rule, and I call rule number one in the ministry of Paul and the disciples. The names of the gifts are never shown. That's rule number one. The names of the gifts are never shown in the ministry of Jesus, or in the ministry of Paul, or in the ministry of Peter, James, and John. And any disciple, I tell you, the, the name of the gifts, when operating, it wasn't shown. Paul Revealed to us in 1 Corinthians 12, the names. But as you operate in it, you have to recognize what's going on. And that's what Paul shared with the church of Jesus Christ and and, and the church at Corinth. That the names of these gifts, I don't have to be told, it's a revelation from God. The Lord reveals. Let's go to John chapter 4 verse 17 and 18. And uh, let's take a look at that because I'm going to begin to explain to you uh, this operation, this revelation here. Jesus said unto her, Go, call your husband and come near. Remember the woman that's, uh, at the well? John chapter 4. A woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, You have said well, I have no husband. For you have had 5 husbands and he whom you now have it's not your husband now that's a revelation from heaven nobody told jesus he the holy spirit revealed to the lord exactly what need to be done so the word of knowledge here is part in is is part of the present and past events situations uh Past and present. Never future. Okay. Let's go to Mark chapter 2 verse 5. Mark chapter 2 verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, He said, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, one of the explanations in commentaries when it comes to this type of dealing with illnesses, the commentaries that we have to us simply says that when someone was sick or any kind of illness, it was because their sin. Well, Jesus doesn't operate into what the people understood and comprehended as to illnesses. Because in every situation, He healed. And so He says, when Jesus saw their faith, what does what, what, what it mean? Can you see something that is very much uh, 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 hidden? It's not revealed. You can't see faith. But Jesus saw. He felt it. And He knew that in that case, sin caused the illness. Not in every situation. But let's take a look at, a, at another, another area. Another example. When Jesus was in Syria, Philippi, Jesus explained to Peter how he was able to recognize the truth that Jesus was the Son of God. Listen to what Jesus says. He said this, Flesh and blood have not revealed unto you but my Father who is in heaven. In other words, Peter, when you came here and I asked you to ask who do people think that I am? Remember, Jesus said, take a look and ask questions. Some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah. And so Jesus referred to Peter. He said, Peter, who do you think that I am? Now, what Jesus is saying to Peter is, he found out that Jesus is the Son of God by revelation of the Father. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. But for, for education has not revealed this to you. By reading a book has not does not reveal this to you. From having a lecture of three years for a seminary degree does not reveal this to you. But God reveals. God reveals. There's no way to understand the power of salvation by reading a book or questioning uh, uh, how to comprehend. A revelation is a revelation that is personal to the person that is supposed to receive the revelation. And of course, Peter, Peter received a revelation of the Holy Spirit. You are Jesus Christ, the Son of the Almighty God. Now, that's a wonderful thing. And so revelation that I'm referring to here is a direct information from heaven pertaining to a situation in front of you now, I used to say this, and I continue to say this to pastors, to ministers that uh, want to learn how to live this way, that a revelation is a direct indication that what needs to happen already happened. Revelation, if it occurs in your life, in the act of ministry, in the act of praying, it's already already, already been fulfilled there's no revelation that's to impress you, to make you look good, so you can know and tell everybody what happened. When revelation comes, it comes to the person in front of you and it comes to you directly. And as you have the revelation of the Holy Spirit, the act of ministry is completed, it's done. God healed. There's a doctor, Dr. Cameron. He went to Brazil with us in a city called Muriaé, North Minas, in the state of Minas in Brazil. It's right on the border between between the state of Rio de Janeiro and the city of Minas Gerais, very few miles from the borderline of the states. Muriaé, A fifteen hundred member congregation building a five thousand. Auditorium, and we gave an offering there. Thank God for that. Dr. Cameron prayed for a blind man, and the man was completely healed. Now, the revelation of the Holy Spirit there was that he hit the floor and stayed on, then couldn't get up for quite a while. The power of God was overwhelming that he couldn't get up. So the revelation of the Lord was that the men began to see. And so the problem that I'm trying to explain to you is that when revelation occurs, a miracle occurs. When revelation occurs, salvation occurs. In other words, revelation is an indication that what the Lord wants to do has been done not will be done but has been done that's how you treat revelation you don't treat revelation waiting to see what's going to happen you treat revelation as when it comes to you the job is already done well let's take a look at another scripture that is found in Matthew nineteen sixteen to 22 and it refers to the young ruler it's, a, it's, it's not a miracle per se, but God reveals something in, this, in that Scripture. Remember the young ruler that came to Jesus and asked Him, uh, uh, What can I do to receive eternal life? Remember that? What can I do to have eternal life? And so Jesus knew that the problem with the rich young ruler was that he did not love his neighbor's as himself because he said to the lord that he, had, he 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 fulfilled all the all the commandments love your neighbors as yourself For well, that one he didn't because he had so much money and Jesus asked him to give to the poor and he couldn't because he had so much money so he was lying he did not love the poor he was he was caught in the act of lying even though he claimed to have kept the commandments he could not sell what he had and give to the poor he did not love his neighbor more than he loved himself and Jesus saw that now when did Jesus saw that that was the problem when 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 the young man says uh, 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 look to the Lord and says good master that was it good master in other words when you engage with the Lord the revelation comes the revelation precedes the information the revelation is clearly directed to the act of ministry without regarding what you think, what you want to do, or what you understand, what you comprehend. When God reveals, He bypasses the mental state of questioning and argumentation. is directly to the need. The Lord don't state, the Holy Spirit does not waste time with, with unbelief. The Holy Spirit does not Waste time with unbelief. So let us take a look at another one. I hope you, you are beginning to realize what I'm saying here. Go to John 148. You know Philip met this guy and said, "Listen, I want you to go down there and meet this man. Uh, uh, he's from Nazareth. And, and of course, you know Nathaniel said, Can any good thing come out of a little stinky little town north of Israel?" And as Nathaniel approached Jesus, Jesus looked at Nathaniel and said, Behold, a Israelite in whom there is no guile. Well, that, that, is, that is a discerning of a personality trait in, of a man in front of Jesus. What did Jesus, how did Jesus know there's no deceit in Nathaniel? He's been informed by somebody else. There it goes again. See, the doubtful person that cannot comprehend revelation begins to question. Well, somebody told him he was very intelligent and he was a, a very, uh, blessed man of God. And so what I'm saying to you is that, uh, it's impossible. It's impossible that you minister in the power of the Holy Spirit by continuously questioning the move of the Holy Spirit. It never happened. So John one forty eight shows, shows Jesus saw a personality in Nathaniel which, which Nathaniel became one of the apostles. N- notice that. When Jesus said that, God already had in His mind to reveal to Nathaniel to follow Jesus. Now, that's how it is. In other words, never question what the Holy Spirit is doing even though you don't understand it. Remember that God is involved and He's out of you about a million miles away doing what He's supposed to do. Don't doubt on how what you heard at first stances. In other words, I used to doubt and question and go back to my prayer line and say, I don't understand this. When I begin to, to say it, let me, of course, I have so many stories that I can say to you, uh, but one of them that I remember vividly is when I went to a large Baptist church in Rio de Janeiro. There were 15 pastors in the pulpit, about a couple thousand people staring at you. And I looked to my left, and there was a, a young man playing the guitar with a large team of musicians. And I heard the Lord say to me, Take the flowers out of this jar in front of the pulpit, lift the jar, run, go to the young man, and throw it on his head. Well, you know, that's a, that is just a, a little too much to ask. Well, I did. I asked permission of the pastor. I took the jar. And as I moved toward the young man, he put his guitar down. And I began to bathe him. And he was on his knees yelling and screaming. And uh, and a horrible scene began to happen. Everybody from the congregation began to run toward the young man. He was the, the drug dealer of the whole church. Now, Notice the revelation came to me to do what I need to do. It didn't ask me if I comprehended. It. it asked me if I should question the pastor. I told the pastor to give me permission because he's in charge. And, I, and of course all that happened there was simply the drug dealer for the church was discovered in the. I saw a woman, aged woman, a uh, gray hair, yelling and screaming down there. Must have been his grandmother yelling and screaming. Oh God! Oh God! In other words, God delivered that young man. It wasn't pretty, but I'm saying to you that revelation is not for you to question. It wouldn't have happened if I asked, if I questioned the the revelation. I, I and of course I thank God for my simplicity of my mind. On how to do these things, and, it, and they happen all the time. And that's not the first, second time. There are hundreds of times that this happened to where I went into the congregation, picked up somebody, brought him to the altar, and began doing deliverance on his head. So, revelation is the key to a relationship with Jesus. Teaching without revelation is dead. Revelation is the key to a relationship with Jesus. Teaching without revelation is dead. Let me give you another example in our 7 minutes and 12 seconds counting on this beautiful airplane and this first class ticket that I got from Andy Hines. And I'm sitting here just... uh, wonder what I'm going to eat for lunch. Amen. Uh, here, here is uh, here is Matthew 11, 25. Listen to this scripture. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, O oh Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hid these things from the wise and the prudent and have revealed them unto babies what is it that uh, Jesus is saying is that revelation comes to the simple the gentle the tender the humble it doesn't come for those that are uh, uh, wise and prudent and careful you see the reason why sometimes in a sermon there's no revelation is because you hear something the Holy Spirit is saying to you to do it right then but you have to follow procedures and before too long you don't hear the Holy Spirit anymore because the Holy Spirit knows you're not going to do it and so you have this relationship that is lukewarm but it doesn't cut the mustard you have this relationship that is Sweet and tender and scratches you, but it doesn't get to the bottom of it. In other words, it makes you look good when you just don't get into that area. And the Lord is not interested in any pastor who somehow feels that they like to keep things balanced within his understanding. In other words, personalization of the gospel requires intense conviction. And without conviction, you're talking to the walls. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight, all things are delivered unto me of my Father. No, no, No man knows the Son but the Father. Neither knows any man the Father, save the Son. And he who whosoever the Son will reveal him. Salvation is a matter of revelation. Not education. You can have a PhD and people are not saved. Now I spent 50 years in the altar. I'm, I'm 79, I'd say a good 50 years in the altar. And I've seen a lot of conviction. I've seen a lot of surrendering. I've seen a lot of forgiveness, a lot of redemption, a lot of cleansing, a lot of tears. You know, I, I want to tell you a, an interesting story. I was in Brunswick, Georgia, at the First Methodist Church in Brunswick, Georgia. i never forget this. And a woman came forward. And knelt down. The altar is packed with people. And suddenly, the Holy Spirit of God told me to stop close to her and kneel and come down on my, my, my knees to look to her in, he, in her eyes. And I heard that I should not touch. I should not touch her hands or not touch her period. I heard that. Well, that's a signal. That's a revelation because she's been hurt and no preacher's hands will touch her don't do it so I knew that something there happened of of a serious nature and as I began to pray without touching her I remember that uh, I put my hands on top of her hands but I did not touch her and I began to notice that the tears that she had became white salt All over my hands. When the tears came and touched my hands, it showed white salt, grieved, wounded, deeply hurt, and the tears kept on coming. And so I knew that a revelation came from God, that something drastically ugly happened to her not many, many moments, not many days from the moment that she came to the altar. And so we dismissed the congregation. I asked the elders to come in and stayed around top of her. And around her, the congregation was dismissed. The night before, this woman was the secretary of the church. The treasurer of the church had been raped in her office by five men. Now let me ask you this. How about if we just did not make an invitation? How about if I simply moved from her and went to minister to everybody else? How about if I simply just ignored the situation because it's too personal and we don't want to get personal in the presence of God because He can offend somebody? How about if I simply just dismissed everybody and went to my home and went to my hotel to eat a piece of chicken? But the Lord had another idea. And we anoint her with oil. We lift her hands. She began to pray and began to cry. And she cried for an hour or two. And we stayed there with her until all things were settled. Let me ask you, brother. Are you receiving revelation from God? Or you are doing a book report on Sunday morning? God bless you.